This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. KNC Masterpiece here on 105 Through the Fan. I'm Reginald Datatula in for Kevin and Corey. Mike Bassick still here with you along with Chris Strong on the ones and twos. Thanks for uh, hanging out with 105 Through the Fan on this day after Christmas. Hope everybody had a very happy holiday. And um, as I, I did a, let, a little informal poll on the truckwreck.com text line, looks like a good amount of people that are listening are working. Okay. So uh, keep texting in. I'd love to see the various things that you're doing. A few people working at the railroads, uh, some Uber Eats, some folks uh, stalking uh, restaurants, or some people working restaurants, all sorts of different people working. Uh, Some people just on their holiday, on their vacation, wanting to get their KNC masterpiece. My drive-in was easy this morning. There Mm -hmm. wasn't much traffic, 8.30 to 9 o'clock from South Dallas, where obviously a lot of great grocery stores hate putting their grocery stores. We're talking Uh, about you, H-E-B. Yeah. Get better. Yeah, in other places. Trader Joe's, places like that. Okay, fair enough. Like staying up north here. But uh, yeah, so I just assume that a lot of people still had off work because of the traffic. Sure. Maybe that's just because school's out. I think there's, I think there is a lot of people that are off work, but you know, the people that are that are listening to the KNCP, Masterpiece is a very working class uh, radio show. We appreciate all all our fine folks that keep this thing rolling, uh, getting on the text line and also just listening to us, whether it's uh, twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam, 105 Through the Fan on YouTube, Terrestrially, the Odyssey app, all sorts of different ways to listen to us. And uh, definitely one of the ways to take in your Dallas Cowboys is 105 Through the Fan, as your, where your home or your Cowboys, where you would have heard uh, this touchdown by one CD Lamb. On uh, first down in the second and six. Prescott a deep strike to Lamb over the middle. Makes a cut inside. Gets to the pylon. And it's a touchdown for C.D. Lamb. 49 yards on a catch and run for the first touchdown of the game. If you enjoy watching C.D. Lamb do things like that, I implore you to keep listening. There will be a giveaway at some time during this hour. So, you know, that's a thing that's happening. However, that's C.D. Lamb. That's C.D. Lamb doing incredible things in early on in this game. Okay. And then for a good long stretch, there, it felt like there was no C.D. Lamb. It was right. like, who is C.D. Lamb? What is a C.D. Lamb? I've never heard of a C.D. Lamb. And then in the fourth quarter, it's was like, oh, yeah, that's a C.D. Lamb, and he's really good at football. Okay, so. And so that's one part of it. I want to set this up real quick because I do want – the question yeah. is – who has more room for frustration, CeeDee Lamb or Micah Parsons? We start with okay. CeeDee. So CeeDee Lamb, if I have this correct, yes. I did this earlier in before the show started, and I didn't write it down. I believe on the first drive, he had three catches for 31 yards. I believe I have that correct. And on the second drive, which was very quick, that was the CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott really quick touchdown drive. I believe he had two catches for 71 yards. I think he had a 22-yard catch and a 49-yard catch. So I think after the first two drives of the game, he had five catches for 102 yards. I could be off on that, Reggie. I'm sorry. I should have wrote that down as I was looking through first drive, second drive. But I believe it was three for 31 and two for 71 on the first two drives. That gives you five catches for 102 yards in the first quarter. If I have my math correct and I'm remembering the game correctly. Didn't he have six catches for 114 yards? 118. 118. Don't short my man his four yards. But if you look at that, that means he had one other catch in the game? One more catch for 16 yards? 
Yeah, I mean, if if, if we if, did our math right here. If that, I did my math correct, no. and he had three for 31 on the first drive where you drove it down to the one-yard line and fumbled, and then the next drive he has two catches for 71 yards and a touchdown on the 49-yard touchdown. I know the 49-yarder was there because we just listened to it from Brad Sham. That is That was weird to me. I, I don't know. Why did the Cowboys, if 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 he's killing them, if CeeDee Lamb is killing them, was it the Miami defense that got to the sideline after that 49-yard touchdown and said, I'll be damned if he catches another ball the rest of the game, put five guys on him? I, I don't know. Like, was it, was it that? Because it wasn't like Jalen Ramsey was following him around from there. It wasn't like you just saw all of a sudden a, a total change in defense. I don't think there was a complete and total change in defense to hold him to one to two catches the rest of the game for – approximately 20 yards like I don't think that happened but somehow the Cowboys decided after the first two drives CeeDee Lamb is not important to really concentrate on well as we continue talking about the CeeDee Lamb portion of this where his frustrations lie let's ask him and listen to how he sounded after the game about not getting receptions in the second and third quarter they wasn't doing anything um I don't know I just feel like I'm going to be involved. Just keep me involved and let the game do what it got to do. But, uh, yeah, I agree. It was weird, the second and third quarter. Very weird. Do you read anything in not just the words that he said, but the ways that he said that? Because if the, the ways, I mean, he he's almost says it directly. If you're going to get me involved, keep me involved. Is this if he's talking directly to somebody? And then also the ways that he goes, it's weird, very weird. If I'm inclined to try and read between the lines. Now, you know, sometimes yeah. we do this thing, and you know as a player, we in the media can sometimes try and read between the lines where there is nothing there. However, do you hear something? I think there's frustration because they lost two in a row, and they lost okay. two games that were very important. I mean, if they win those two games, they're the number one seed right now. Correct. Uh, and then you have a home game against Detroit. Good good team, but you're playing great. You're on a huge winning streak. And then you play Washington, who stinks at football. Um so I'm sure there's just frustration that they felt like, especially that last drive, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with the last drive. The, I believe that was to Brandon Cooks there to to look like you took the lead. I shouldn't say win the game, but obviously that looked like a game-winning type of drive there. He's not upset that Brandon Cooks caught that ball, but I'm sure that when you get off to that hot of a start, you're expecting to have one of those career-type games, where you're like, just keep feeding me. They're not like what CeeDee Lamb said, and I believe CeeDee Lamb here. They didn't change too much. Now, obviously, you struggled at blocking at times, so that yes. gives Dak Prescott la- less time to scan the field. I remember there was a play that they showed on replay. CeeDee Lamb's open by five yards. I mean, he gets complete and total separation. But then when they go back and they show the view, Dak Prescott is looking to his right the whole time, and CeeDee Lamb is to the left. Is that the screenplay? I, I can't remember. Okay. I'm sorry. But I just remember CeeDee Lamb creates tremendous space, gets open by a lot. But when you see the replay, you're like, well, Dak never saw him because okay. Dak's concentration yeah. was on the right side of the field and not the left, where that is confusing to me. I don't know who to blame there, but you'd say, wait a second, CeeDee Lamb is smoking him. Why are we not looking at CeeDee Lamb's side of the field the majority of times? And then if things aren't open on that side of the field, scan over to the other side. So uh, that's kind of the crux of CeeDee Lamb's frustration in this game. The dude you know, jumps out early and makes it very evident, one, that he is on one in this game, but two, that they don't have answers for him per se. 
And then it seems like the answer, I guess, is then apply a lot of pressure to Dak Prescott so that he cannot, you know, service your man, uh, C.D. Lamb. So that's C.D. Lamb's frustration. Let's let's now uh, go to Exhibit B, Micah Parsons' frustration. Um, as Micah Parsons, my goodness, right? And this is not a one-week frustration. This is a frustration's coming to a head. He's talked about it on his podcast. He's talked about it uh, to media, various media members about the ways in which he feels like he's officiated differently. And so let's go to cut 39 here. I believe this is the one. If not, we might have to check cut 40. But Micah Parsons, after the game, did not did not sound uh, happy by any means about the way he's been officiated. I mean, we fight, we fighting with our back against the wall. I, a lot of penalties. I mean, it, it's mind-blowing, the things that's getting called and the positions we get put in. I mean... The thing is, um, we just got to learn how to fight the adversity. I know a lot of this BS and we're like, this is football plays and these is, but it's the world we live in. We got to start in the helmet. Okay. Sorry, that, that that's the lesser of these. There's a couple cuts that go on for a while where he is just getting really upset and you can see it kind of welling back up. Yeah. I imagine that this is what was going through his mind when Demarcus Lawrence moves him away from the official because he starts talking about the ways yeah. in which that roughing the passer against Tua Tonga Valoa, uh, where he I mean, he gets there almost right when the ball is relieving. And it feels like defensive players are just at, you know, in a bad place in general when it comes to dealing with quarterbacks, yeah. whether they're sliding, all those types of things. But then it, there's an added element when you have Micah Parsons out here feeling like he is held, and honestly, rightfully so, feeling like he is being held damn near every play and okay. not getting those calls, but then getting something so kind of ticky-tacky at times as that one. Micah Parsons one of the best defensive players I've ever seen in my life. I want to say that to let people understand I'm not against Micah Parsons. I think he's phenomenal, unbelievable. He has to stop complaining on his podcast just the same way that Luca, I know that Luca's been in the league longer in the NBA. When you do this, they're human beings. They hear you saying that they are pieces of trash. They are unbelievably biased against my team, against mm. me in general. And they're like, all right, let's see how bad I am the next time when I have to ref you. They're not going to be better when you call them out. Think of whatever you do for a living, whatever you do, whether it's in your marriage, if your spouse is calling you out and saying, you're pathetic at this, you're the worst ever. All right, let's see how bad I can be next time at it, you piece of, you know, like that's that's how the refs are seeing it. They're not seeing it from the way Micah wants them to all of a sudden become like favorable to the Cowboys yeah. or favorable to him. And I do not think that the NFL or the uh, referees are trying to have the Cowboys lose. I just don't see that right. aspect of it. I can see where they're now not giving Micah Parsons over the last month or so the benefit of the doubt because he's running his mouth too much about the referees. Just let it go. And here's the other thing too, Micah. Sell it. I know you said, I, I can't remember if it was a month ago, two months ago. Do you remember his kind of quote of like, he doesn't want to be one of those guys that kind of sells penalties, like fakes it? I honestly can't recall, but that and, sounds and I, right. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but he was kind of on one of his podcasts saying that he didn't really want to – he just wants to play through it, right? He's going to play through the hold or whatever, and he, it's the ref's job to see it and call it, not for him to to sell it the way other guys – I believe the Eagles are good at this. They'll do 360 turns and throw their hands – they'll stop trying to get the quarterback. They'll throw their hands up to, like, show the ref, can you believe how bad they're holding me and I'm going to spin around and do do that. Sell it. Stop trying to get to the quarterback. When you're held, 
sell the hold. Let's see if that works. And you know what? If it doesn't work in the next two games, you have two games, maybe only one if the Washington game means nothing. See if selling it helps you out. Because obviously you trying to fight through the hold is the refs aren't calling it. Maybe it is because of your attitude on your podcast and talking to the talking to the media after the game is over. But maybe it's because you do a bad job of selling it. You fight through the hold so much that they decide it's not a hold. Where other guys in the league, they exaggerate the hold as they want you to sh- they want you to see the hold. That maybe maybe NBA flopping and exaggerating is the way to go on this to get the calls that you need. Yeah, it's tough because, and I had not considered the idea of just kind of like almost challenging in some ways, you know, in a public uh, sphere, the the officials. But yeah, no, there's no real plan of recourse. And it does not seem like, you know, the ways in which complaining is going to give you any level of solution. So I hear where you're coming from on the idea of, well, is there if there's any level of solution elsewhere, maybe give that a try. Maybe do it that way. Um, people do point out that, yes, it's been 38 quarters since a, there has been an offensive holding call that has you know, been generated right. by one of those Michael Parsons. That's, that's correct. I, that is a factual yeah. statement. And you know what? Factually, he's probably been held at least 10 times in those 38 quarters. Sure. Some of them, not everyone, but some of them are probably egregious. Is it? Let's let's now ask this question back to the audience that you need to think about as a as an educated football person that you need to think about. You can give me another reason if I'm leaving one out. Is it because they hate the Cowboys and the referees are intentionally having the Cowboys want to lose and fight through it? Is it that Micah Parsons talks so much crap about the referees that the refs are like, screw you, watch how bad I can be because they are human beings and they have feelings too like you have feelings. They shouldn't. But they do. Okay. Is it that Micah Parsons isn't selling the hold? He's working so hard through the hold that the refs feel like it must not be that bad of a hold because he's fighting through it and still getting close to the quarterback. Is it another reason that I haven't thought of in my head? The reason why that he hasn't got a holding call in 38 quarters. Yeah, the the Occam's razor would dictate like the simplest answer is probably is probably the right answer and the simplest answer is probably just like hey man there's just a general level of incompetence and I, I don't say that with too much judgment because like hey the whole job itself is difficult and so making sure that you're going to have people that are incredible at it and every at every level is probably not feasible and so like this is probably just like a level of general incompetence. That comes through, and it's unfair. It absolutely is, but it seems to affect the best players, Michael Parsons being one of those. So, Isn't it weird that in our city we have arguably the best player in the NBA and arguably the best defensive player uh, in the NFL, mm-hmm. and they both struggle with the maturity to handle bad refereeing at times? And what's funny is that Michael Parsons, this – Obviously, this has been developing over time, but it really reached ahead this week. And it, it's it's kind of unfortunate that the circumstances all came together to make that the case. One, that he's being held, and two, that it's just like he's gotten to a place where he's like, all right, this is, this is I can't hold it in anymore. Uh, but ultimately, obviously, he has his reasons to be frustrated. CeeDee Lamb has his reasons to be frustrated with that game. Who, who who has more reason to be frustrated after a Whoa. Cowboys twenty two to twenty loss in, in Miami? I think it's C D Lamb, my opinion. Because when you have I went back and checked. In the first drive he had a catch for nine yards, a catch for nine yards, and then a catch for thirteen yards. So that's thirty one yards on three catches. And then the next drive he has two catches, one for twenty two, and then the next one for forty nine to the house touchdown. So to start the game off, 
He has five catches for 102 yards and a touchdown, and we are not done with the first quarter yet. And he gets one more catch for 16 yards the rest of the game. That doesn't make any sense to me. Especially when you can get him the ball on a screen in space, and then he can go do something. Micah's obviously frustrated with the referees. Uh, He might be frustrated with the holding that the players are doing against him that the refs aren't calling. He did have to play linebacker some. I do think the Cowboys came into this game after the Buffalo debacle of it looked like you could give up 500 yards in that game on running if, if Buffalo wanted to run the ball every time. It just felt unstoppable. And I think the Cowboys went into the game going, let's at times put Micah in the center of the field, three yards off the ball, and give him the freedom that if they do run the ball, he's going to have the space and the freedom to go chase down, whether it's Mozart, whether it's Achan, whoever it is, that he's going to be able to. So he wasn't pass rushing every time. So maybe there was frustration that now I'm having to play linebacker because of injuries and injuries to Hankins. The lack of ability of your first-round pick, Mozzie, to really play in the NFL this year. So, I I, I lean towards C.D. Lamb, but I see the frustration on both guys. Well, ultimately, there's frustration all around Cowboys Nation uh, as they fall to the Miami Dolphins, 22 to 20. They makes it a little bit more difficult for them to in their chase for the NFC East and for uh, home field opportunities in the postseason. Which, again, we've talked a lot about the road struggles for these Dallas Cowboys. It's KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, it's uh, time for the lunch rush or the uh, the expressway. We'll do Cowboys thank yous or Cowboys no thank yous next. First down and goal. Lipke behind Prescott. Fumble as he tried the handoff to Lipke. And the Dolphins have recovered the fumble. Safety wow. Brandon Jones recovered the fumble. And the Cowboys go all the way to the lip of the cup and hit the ball in the lake. Oops. Yes, KNC Masterpiece here on 105 Through the Fan. I'm Reginald Atatula sitting in for Kevin and Corey. That's Mike Bassick, always in his usual spot. Not with the new chair yet, I noticed. No, I know. I got to go to, you know, a Staples or whatever and, and go look for the new chair. Okay. Are we Are we going up in quality again this year? I like spending what I spend Fair on enough. it, and I like yeah. it being right now because obviously Christmas is over, but a lot of companies are trying to get rid of as much inventory as possible for the new year, so you can usually find really good deals now until December 31st on things that they want to get rid of sure. and, and and get rid of their inventory on the floor or whatever right now. Mike Bassick still looking for a deal. Uh, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, Mike Bassick every year for Peaceathon, yeah. his contra- one of his contributions, because he does contribute even more, is, you know, the chair that he uses throughout the year, we get it signed by everybody in at the station, and that is auctioned off for My Possibilities. Fantastic charity that the Kansas City Masterpiece works with. I want to remember, like, the other day we had uh, Jericho, and I'm sorry, I'm drawing Chris Jericho? A, Chris Jericho, you know, Hall of Fame wrestler. And I'm drawing a blank on the young lady that we had, and she's from Garland, and she's an awesome wrestler. Uh, um, I, I, I saw I'm, I saw that you guys it was had a great interview. It was awesome, but I I need to remember to when people come in studio to autograph that chair. So oh. then that chair, let's say next year has like ten. It doesn't have to be wrestlers per se, but it has like. But we 10 know it's going to be wrestlers. We know who Kevin former is. Former great athletes that are also autographing. Athena, that chair. 
Athena, is what, yes. Shout out yeah, to Swaggy Booties on the Twitch chat. Uh, we're into the expressway now, the lunch rush uh, in the expressway. And uh, we begin by doing something that is done every week. Cowboys thank you notes, or I guess no thank you notes. I don't know. Does this does it change every time there's a loss? Or I don't know if there was any thank you against Buffalo. Okay. Thank Fair you enough. that the game finally ended. Because <laughs> that was just... It, it was rough. That was, it was they, hard they were getting watch. it was once again that was the San Francisco game yeah. almost all over again where you're just getting embarrassed thoroughly in the second half and there's nothing that looks like you're going to be able to do to fight back. This one was such a a uh close game. I don't yes. even know if I want to say it just wasn't it wasn't the style of game that I thought it was going to be when you looked at Miami on paper and you looked at Dallas on paper. I thought you're going to need to get to 30, if not 35, to have a really great chance to win this game. And it didn't play out that way. Um, but I will say, and I know we just kind of said what happened, but I will say my first thank you letter. Very I'll go good. positive here. I'm still optimistic on the Cowboys. My first thank you will be to C.D. Lamb. I don't think he did anything wrong in the second half of the game. But thank you for getting the five catches – for 102 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter, yeah, that was spectacular. And I started thinking to myself at that point, I'm still going to give him a thank you letter. I started thinking at that point, probably for another time, is here's Tyreek Hill on the other side. Is he the third best receiver in the game to Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson? Oh, wow. At that point, at the end of the first Jayla quarter. Jalen Waddle, rather. No, Tyreek oh, Hill. You mean in the game in the, general? I thought you meant in, in this no, game. I was no, like no. Justin Jefferson to play. In all but I get what the you mean. NFL. Sorry. Yeah. I can't rank him ahead of a healthy Tyreek Hill and a healthy Justin Jefferson. But I started thinking to myself in that first quarter, I'm like, my gosh, has CeeDee Lamb elevated himself to the third best receiver in the NFL? From that point, he only had one more catch for 16 yards. That I don't think that was his fault at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, thank you to CeeDee Lamb for once again. At the end of the day, though, he still had six catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And also proven that, like, over the middle is something that you can do. That touchdown, over the middle, with his speed, and then getting... Because after that point, it felt like it was such a tough tough, uh, slog over the middle. In fact, there was a point in time where Jake Ferguson gets a highly contested pass, and Dak does a great job putting it where only Jake Ferguson can catch it. And I was like, man, great completion. However, it feels like it's telling that that is what was necessary to get a completion there. And it feels like it was just significantly different when CeeDee Lamb was able to get the ball and be involved. So, yes, absolutely. Thank you to CeeDee Lamb. Um, another thank you, and I guess this is uh, on, a, on a lower level because you're talking about a dude who had 118 yards. Um, Jordan Lewis. Thank you, Jordan Lewis, uh, for, for displaying your wares. Particularly, you mentioned earlier in this program that, you know, the, the Dolphins very clearly had a, you know, an MO when it came to running the football. They were trying to get outside, outside the tackles and use their speed, and Jordan Lewis might be just like a personification of this because obviously you saw Donovan Wilson. Donovan Wilson loves nothing more than to get his nose into the, into the muck, right? But dudes like, John, uh, like uh, Jordan Lewis jumping in and being aggressive and tackling on the outside yeah. allowed this team to do some of the defensive things that they were able to do, and it's, it was right. absolutely good to see it from Jordan Lewis because Jordan Lewis can kind of get lost in, in the in the mix sometimes. I'm with you. How scared were you when Gilmore went down and it looked like he was really hurt? And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, are we about to have to go the rest of the season in the playoffs with nothing against? Um, Nation Wright? Yeah. I mean, they went one play five yards immediately. And but then yeah, Gilmore they immediately came, threw it over. I don't know if yeah. it's a thank you. Thank you, Gilmore, for not being really hurt. Yeah, that's fair the, enough. The way he was acting, I thought, oh, crap. We are down to Deron Bland 
and we are down to Nashon Wright yeah. the rest of the way. So I'm I'm I don't want to make this sound too positive. The Cowboys did lose, but I'm thanking Gilmore for not really being hurt because uh, at this point, you can't have Bland or Gilmore get hurt, or I don't even know if you win a playoff game. That's tough because, look, one of the things about this defense, is the, the strength is in the pass coverage. We have a lot of complaints about run stopping and those types of things, particularly with Jonathan Hankins not playing. And Mickey made point of this, right? He's dealing with a high ankle sprain as a big boy, right? Like, that takes a little bit of time. So even when he returns, and I, as I imagine he will relatively soon, like, it's still going to be something to consider with his movement and the ways that he plays. But um, if if you lose, if you have, now have a place on your sec- defensive secondary that you can point to the mark, trademark, yeah. right, as, oh, that's the guy we attack, that makes it a lot di- more difficult. And also, like, this is a symbiotic relationship between front and back, and having the back, uh, back end that you've had has helped. Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Osa Digazua, all these guys get upfield and put the pressure that they do. All right, so Greg Olson pointed this out. Mm-hmm. No thank you to number 71. Yeah, Chuma Idoga Why is he tackle. blocking down so much? This I is where know. Greg Olson was pointing this out. Like, dude, you're the tackle. Like, you can't block down on these situations. You see the guy. It's not like it was some sort of schemed deal. The dude has his hand in the ground before the ball is snapped, and as soon as the ball is snapped, immediately is going on a direct line to your quarterback. There's no way you should be blocking down in that yeah. situation. So, no thank you. And, you know, listening to Mick, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be 50-50 by the time we get to Friday on Tyron Smith, but it sounds like or it maybe feels like you're going to have to go at least another game in this situation. Yeah, and the way that it looks. Sure, Aiden Hutchinson won't take advantage of that. <sighs> Why would you remind me of that right now? Go ahead. Why would you? No, do that? thank you. Seventy-one. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, that was it. Was really frustrating. Collins replacement. Oh, Just, he that's is the same, same number. That's really unfortunate. No, it, it was the the image that's seared in my mind is that one where he's going in. Tyler Smith is doing his job. Completely got this this uh, this pass rusher held up. And Chuma Yudoga goes to help there rather than getting the defensive end that's on the outside that is his responsibility. That was first and goal from like the two, right? Uh, I, I believe. And then they sacked him at the 10. And, and, and yeah. you know, it's yep. like, dang it. I, you know, you feel like you could blame the play calling and say you should just run the ball there. But obviously you have to expect if you're doing play action uh, first and goal from the one, two yard line, you're expecting your left tackle to block the guy who's the defensive end rushing the quarterback. And I look, I get play action. You wanna you wanna sell the run, but I mean something is, is there, some things are more important at this point. And this is where I'm not educated enough in football. Is there any way that it was uh, like two a, plays called in the huddle, and maybe it was a run play out of the huddle, and he didn't hear the audible that we're passing the ball? I don't. I'm 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 giving him I, right, a little bit of an excuse right. of was he run blocking on that when he didn't know that we had audibled to a pass. Look, that's I, the only way I can right. see him blocking down in that situation. I can't rule that out, but the problem for me is that there was too many instances where yeah. he, did he did not that look good. Three times yeah. in the game, at least that Greg Olson pointed out. Why is he blocking down here when there's a defensive end directly, pretty much over him on his uh, left shoulder that he knows is probably rushing the passer? Uh, I think we need a thank you. And look, this feels real. When we start talking about specialists, it ends up feeling kind of uh, some kind of way. But thank you to uh, Brian Anger, who had okay. who did a fantastic job with when it came to field position, especially in a game like this where your defense seemed to be playing bend not break type um, type defense. 
in, in instances, field position matters. And I believe he had a good 57-yard punt in this one as well, if I remember correctly. Or maybe I'm just doing the Jason Sanders thing where I'm conflating a few numbers. But Brian Anger did a really good job in this one. And not this that's not something that like everyone will notice, so but he absolutely helped with field position. In this, in this game, when you look at the two kickers, are we getting to the point that kickers are getting so good that if you get the ball to the 50-yard line, you're in field goal range? Because the, the kicks that are 55 and 57 yards from – I know you're talking about anger and not our guy. Yeah, but sure. when when you talk about what you're seeing out of Aubrey, our kicker, and then you see from Miami's kicker, you're like – I think that those are good from 65, if not 70. Yeah. Are, are we getting? Are, are we going to get to the point in the next five years where teams are going to be like, hey, it's 68 yards, we know he can make it from there? I mean, it's starting to seem like it. Now, I think the question might be how the consistent can the they be? The ball from the four, uh, year 42 already. But right. Like, it looks like at this point the way that those, those balls are going through that – hey, why not from 70? The, from 55, it looks like it has another 15 yards. Yeah, I, and we're getting longer and longer legs when it comes to um, the kicking game. I know you're talking about anger, the punter. I'm sorry. I went no, 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 it's way. all right. I, I think it, it it's a good question to ask, um, and it's one of the reasons why – it's one of the interesting things about the Cowboys that the Cowboys have not leaned too heavily into one particular kicker. They've come in the last few seasons and been like, all right, let's just find yeah. somebody, give them enough, to, uh, enough time, and see if they have that distance. Because yeah. I, I think you've seen this uh, when you were at camp is that – some guys were not as accurate, but they showed that distance. I think Maher was the guy who he didn't look all yeah. that accurate and then showed a lot of distance. They stuck with him and ultimately it ended up working for them. So, All right. You, th- you throw out a thank you. I'm going to go back to negative no thank you. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask if this okay. is a thank you or a no thank you. Hunter Lipke. Because he starts this game and yeah. he's starting to look like a guy who can be your big yardage back, right? He's starting. To, he's taking some of those. I think there was a there was a uh, third and short earlier in that first drive that he takes and he gets he gets the yardage. And so you know he looks he looks good there. I mean he's been blocking fairly well. He even gets out. Um, you know escapes the the in a, a pass pass catching situation and catches the ball. So like he's showing that he might be able to be that versatile versatile rather fullback that it seems like Mike McCarthy likes play calling with. But then you get the fumble on yeah. the one-yard line, and it almost negates all of that because as soon as you have fumbling issues or concerns, it takes you out of the play calling, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because then you're like, from now, my mind goes to, I don't want to give him the ball on the goal line. He's, is he even going to be able to handle the handoff? Right. Uh, is he going to try to fight for the extra yard and get the ball punched out? I don't know, but it's like, can we just put Tony Pollard back in in that situation? Hey, if Lipke needs to do a few things to get us first downs or down to it, great, man. That's just uh, a little bit of uh, gravy on the biscuit there. But the biscuit's good enough. And uh, just give me Tony Pollard there in those situations because I just have more confidence that he's not going to fumble. Who, who also didn't punch it in on the No, edge, I know. His feet punched it in. <laughs> he, just, he got his feet over the line. I was a little fr- I, I, I swore Jake Ferguson would get up there and get that block, and he just yeah. he didn't quite right. get there. No, thank you. And this is the biggest no, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what? Deck. Dak Prescott made the perfect pass to Brandon Cooks, and Brandon Cooks made the perfect catch to win the game. Now it's up to you. With three minutes and 42 seconds, I believe, was when that catch was made to take the lead 20-19. to 19. This is your job. Uh, you can complain about the refs. You can. They get the ball at the 25-yard line with three minutes and, I believe, 42 seconds to go. 327, actually. 327. Mm-hmm. If you stop them, even if it's an immediate three and out, and I believe that Miami had all three timeouts left, I believe, 
you did your job. But your job was to win the game. The Cowboys offense scored. I know they only scored 20 for the whole game, but they scored with three minutes and 27 seconds left. Now, you get them off the field, you win the game. You never got them off the field. You 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 got them into field goal range, and then you got them into, like, can't miss field goal range. So no thank you, defense. Uh, that's really tough right there because that's playoff football. Your team scores with three minutes and 27 seconds to go. Playoff championship teams, and it's not the playoffs yet, but that's where you got to get the stop to go to the next round, whether it's to go to the divisional round, whether it's to go to the NFC championship game, whether it's to go to the Super Bowl, or whether it's to win the Super Bowl. If your quarterback and your offense score with less than four minutes to go, now it's your job to win the game, and you lost. So I know that I'm not the biggest fan of Dak. I think he's a really good quarterback. Mm -hmm. But Dak did his job. The offense did their job. The offense scored. They took the lead, and you guys farted on yourselves and let them go all the way down to the nine-yard line and win the game with no time left. Horrible job. No thank you, defense. Frustrating is just the word that keeps coming to mind with this game. Uh, 22 to 20 is the score in favor of the Dolphins. It really puts puts the Cowboys in a tough situation. On And, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to talk about this for the next day or so, but it's soon you, you have to start thinking about how to beat the Lions. And so... Um, yeah, just a really tough game, and you know those are some of the thank yous. I guess I probably should give some uh, some of the ones that were sent in on yeah, the truckwreck.com text line as I know that... Uh, Where are their thank yous or no thank yous? Um, I know that someone thanked uh, Tyreek Hill for dropping that one oh, pass yeah. that looked like it was going to go for like 90-some yards. I think it was 92. I think they were on the 8-yard line, and that was going to be about a 45-yard pass in the air, and then he was probably going to run the rest of the way. Um, some some thank yous for Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson, uh, Brandon Cooks as well. No thank you, uh, Hunter Lipke, Edoga, Pollard. Uh, no thank you to the Cowboys uh, coaching staff for not sliding Tyler Smith to left tackle. Also came up. And I wonder, so. that's going to be interesting. I know there's a short week and everything. That's going to be interesting, I think, as as bad as 71 played. Do you make, if Tyron doesn't sound like he's going to be, like, ready to play and you need him healthy for the playoffs. So if he sits out, he sits out. Do you just go with the same situation again? Or do you do you make that? Do you go like, hey, they destroyed us running in Buffalo. We're going to move Micah Parsons to linebacker in running situations. Like they made an adjustment on defense and it really helped out, I believe. Not the ultimate help out, but it did help out. Uh, will there be a, you know what, Adoga's not good enough to do this. Well, uh, Edoga has played in a few games. I'll have to go back didn't and double check. Didn't Tyron Smith sit out the Cardinals game too? I need to go back and check. I think we were missing up. three offensive linemen in that game, and he yeah. was one of them. Yeah. Now, it would, so it wasn't just him. You were playing three backup offensive linemen, but uh, I know that Tyler, or sorry, Tyron Smith has been super healthy this year. He's exceeded expectations with health. It'd be unfortunate if he can't really play down the stretch here or in the playoffs. But um, now that you tried it another time without him later in the year, I'm wondering if there is any adjustment or you just say, look, it is what it is. This is our backup plan and he has to figure it out or we lose. Yeah. No, no thank you to inopportune penalties. And then obviously, no, there's someone said no thank you to, uh, to the officials. Um, I understand, so, yeah. but overcome. 
Unfortunately, weren't able to do that. Uh, look, hopefully they can do that against the Detroit Lions, and maybe, just maybe, one of you could go and see that because it's time to give something away. 877-881-1053. Caller number 10 right now wins a pair of party passes uh, to see the Cowboys take on the Lions December 30th at AT&T Stadium. That's courtesy of Miller Lite. Again, uh, you can buy tickets. Um you can buy tickets? You can buy tickets okay. to that game. However, you could just win them by calling in. 877-881-1053. I assume that game would be sold out. It might You're be. saying you can buy tickets on the secondary market, yes. right? Because Jimmy you, Johnson, this is going to see Jimmy Johnson get inducted true. in the Ring of Honor, which I never thought would happen. Oh, my goodness. And somebody, At least while he was alive. Somebody's going to get tickets for that, huh? I think we just had 10 callers. Oh, well, I know that so, G-Bag Nation will be giving some tickets away as well, yeah. so you want to keep it locked on to your Turn It On, Leave It On sports station, home of the Cowboys, home of the World Series champion Texas Rangers, 105.3 The Fan. Um, You know what? I've already run a little too it's long, okay. so you know what? We need to get to Mike Likes. When it's uh, obviously yesterday was Christmas, this is our first day broadcasting here on 105.3 The Fan after the Cowboys game, unless you listened, I just saw Brian Broaddus. He's going to come on here in a little bit with G-Bag Nation. I'm not sure who's in for G-Bag Nation today, but I do know that Brian Broaddus is. He got to talk, you know, immediately after the game on Christmas Eve and talk about it. But this is the first time that RJ and Bobby and uh, Reggie and I and now Broaddus and maybe Zach or Eric uh, are talking about it. Zach got to talk about it after the game, too, yep. is... I want to go to Christmas Eve after the game was over, and I was at my parents' house. I, you know, wish I could go to my parents more, but very busy, even though we have one daughter that is uh, at University of Texas in Austin. Um, We also have a couple other boys, and they have a lot of things they're doing. In fact, my ninth grader, Jake, is playing ninth grade basketball at Bishop Lynch. He's doing a great job. I I love the coaches up there. His coach, Coach Shedd, is an awesome coach. Jake is like, man, Coach Shed's tough on us. I'm like, he's coaching. Yeah. You know what? If he wasn't tough on you, that's watching. He's coaching. <laughs> okay? So there's a difference. If you'd like a watcher, if if you feel like everybody loves the coach, that's called a watcher and not a coacher. So he's coaching uh, these kids and doing a great job. And so my sons have had questions recently on, like, come on, Dad, were you any good at basketball obviously they know i was pretty good at baseball i did make it to the major is it because you can't ski they're like you can't even ski how do you play basketball like how are you coordinated enough to do basketball so i got out my wife's um yearbook we went to high school together at duncanville and in her senior year my junior year i did play varsity basketball at duncanville so i'm like look here's the book it says right here mike bassick second team all district i did something my junior year to make second team all district in basketball at duncanville a lot of charges and then no no. (laughs) um what was your specialty playing when you were playing shooting and passing okay so i asked my mom who i'm like do you have like you know, at the end of the year, they'll come out with like a highlight kind of banquet video of the basketball team or whatever. I'm like, is there any way that you have anything on me? And she's like, you know, I have a lot of things that I transferred from VCR because back in 1995, when I was playing varsity basketball, uh, if they recorded the game, it was on a VHS. VHS. It wasn't on. We were still doing Betamax at that point, were we? we I don't. We were off Betamax. Yeah, we were VHSing, I believe. Yep. Yep. So my mom took some of these videos that she had and then transferred them to DVDs, which is really funny because I'm like, you know, mom, you might need to transfer these to zip drives or whatever. Cause right. Not many people have DVD players anymore either. That's a good point. And so 
she did find out of all the stuff that she found, she found um, a game where we played a district game against South Grand Prairie. So I'm like, I have no clue like what I did or didn't do. There were games that I'd play 10 minutes in. There were games that I'd play 20 minutes in. So I'm like, hey, when we get home here on Christmas Eve night, I want to pop in this game and see, you know, what I did or didn't do. And you guys can... You guys now can watch this video and say, Dad, you sucked. New, or Dad, new Christmas tradition. Or Dad, <laughs> you weren't that bad. Play and by so, play. Mike's a uh, high school game. Yeah. And so anyways, we pop it in and they're like, how can you tell which player is who? Because oh, it's not the quality. It's not the best quality. Remember, this is 1995 video quality of a parent videoing a game. Or maybe my mom got it from like the coaching staff. Right. I don't know how she got the game, but she got the game. And she has uh, ways. and she used to video games when I was younger, so maybe she did video this game. And so I'm going to be honest, I was easy to tell who I was. I was the one <laughs> white guy on the Duncanville basketball team. I didn't so, want to say, but So that wasn't that wasn't the difficult part of seeing which guy I was on. They're the like team. which number were you? Oh, don't worry about it. I but got they're it. like, yeah, it's, it's cool. tough to see numbers. But I'm like, no, that's Chris or that's Sterling or that's Trey. I can tell by their their you know where they're playing on the court, or you can kind of tell by their height. Someone said, uh, Daddy's the bald one. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did have hair there, but I did have kind of you know military haircut, uh, real buzz cut, yeah. high and tight. Yeah. Um, but anyways, guess what? My kids were impressed. Okay. Now they did say, man, you were slow. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I am slow. And there's nothing I can do about it. I was slow, especially in a 5A. There was no 6A back then, especially in a 5A game, South Grand Prairie and Duncanville. We are moving at a pretty good pace. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with private school basketball, but private school basketball doesn't move at the same pace of, let's say, a Lake Highlands and Duncanville basketball game moves at. So I was like, I am slow. I'm not going to deny I was slow. But also, if this was a Bishop Lynch basketball game, I wouldn't look as slow if it was a Bishop Lynch versus, let's say, Prestonwood Christian basketball game. I think, shout out to Bishop Lynch and Prestonwood Christian. They're still um, great. I watched them the other day. Honestly, <laughs> Bishop Lynch beat them by like 30 points. But, uh, you know, it's 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 a very good basketball. Private school varsity basketball is very good basketball. But there is another level sure. from private sure. school Texas basketball to, let's say, 6A pri- uh, public school basketball. Now, some of this, again, you mentioned is because Jake is playing high school basketball yes. now. Of course, freshman basketball at this point. But, yes. Um, and doing great. He's doing great. His last game he had uh, 17 points. Doing great. Some, some of this I also wonder is like, you were probably on the court and you felt relatively fast. Not obviously. The- oh, I knew I was slow. Okay. I, <laughs> I knew I was slow. I wonder how fast does Jake think he is versus what you can perceive? Jake is much faster okay. and quicker than I was. So he gets but, that from uh, Sue? Yes, and Sue ran track at Duncanville. So, I mean, she was fast enough to run varsity track her junior and senior year. Yeah, because uh, I was like, the genetics are working out in such a way that I don't know that he wants to call you too slow. No, but, uh, and I was slow. Out on that basketball court, <laughs> I was slow. But you could tell that I was smart. So, anyways, I kind of want to, in a weird way, I want to bring this up to you, Reggie, to yeah. be like, look, this is what I look like playing basketball. Ran funny, ran slow. You know, I guess I make fun of Nick Fazekas when the Mavericks drafted him out of Nevada. I'm like, he can't even run. I feel like we need to do this as like a YouTube exclusive of like you watching it and then breaking down I, your tape. Well, I think my buddies, I don't know, maybe they have, maybe I should call it my my friends. We had, it's funny, we had such a text change of, of Duncanville basketball mm-hmm. players during the Rangers playoff run. I didn't know how many of them watched baseball and were that concerned about baseball yeah and then we had this great text chain going on during the rangers playoff run in fact one of them 
was surprised when Chris Young raised the trophy up. They weren't following the Rangers that closely during the season because they're like, hey, I think I played AAU basketball with him. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yep. that's the Chris Young from Highland Park that you probably played AAU basketball with or against, but he went on to have like a 10-plus-year major league career pitching a baseball, and now he's the general manager of the Rangers. But I do I, love the idea that it's I, just like, this is a dude who is very, very well-known in his sport, and it's like, is that the dude I played basketball with? Yeah, I actually told CY, Chris Young, uh, at the parade right before the parade started, I said, hey, CY, you know what's funny is I have a text chain going on with like 10 or 12 of my uh, former Duncanville basketball players. And when you accepted the trophy, one of them was like, hey, is that the Chris Young that played <laughs> basketball at Highland Park? I was like, yep, that's the same Chris Young that played basketball at Highland Park, but is actually uh, was better at baseball and went on to Princeton, played basketball and baseball at Princeton. Um, but yeah, it was fun on Christmas Eve night. Uh, I'll somewhat leave it at that. I know we got to get to break here, but my mom also had a lot of my high school baseball stuff. Oh. And so that was really fun, but also disheartening to watch because it was fun watching because I just, we were number six in the nation Uh my senior year in Baseball America. I believe that was, I don't know if USA Today was doing rankings or not, but I know Baseball America was. And we lost uh, at Baylor in the regional semifinals. And so that was, I still living through that. And watching that over again and watching the highlights of us lose and watching the cell. It was a Houston school. I forget what Houston school it was. Their celebration, because it looked like they won the state championship because they beat the best team in state to move on to the next round. And if they didn't win state championship, they talk about it like they won state championship. Right, because yeah. they are like, yeah, we went to Baylor and beat Duncanville that year. So that was it's fun to watch, but also kind of sad sure. to watch that. And then I wish I had more basketball. I need to call up Coach McNeely. Phil McNeely's in the Texas High School Basketball Hall of Fame. He was an awesome coach. I'd be like, hey, do you have – I'd love to get more videos so my kids can either see me play more and see me play good or see me play bad and see, like, see this, see that. So, anyways, it's fun to watch. Yeah, you need to keep us uh, updated on the Mike Bassick video And I'll uh, try recovery. to get it on YouTube. I want to put this on YouTube. I just don't know how to take a DVD and get that to YouTube. Yeah, we got we to gotta find a way to rip it. Um, Chris, you're smart. Uh, this is now Technology's your responsibility. Technology's not going to look good. Find a, will fi- find a way. Out. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's the KNC Masterpiece here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, let's revisit some of the Jerry audio from um, Sean and RJ this morning and see how he felt after the Cowboys lost 22-20 to in Miami. We'll do that next on The Fan.